0: He's winning, man! Oh, can't believe it! Jordan C.
1: Yeah! No. <laughs> he's got to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. his <laughs> nose! <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. Might try and slide one in there. Fast. <laughs> well, you we caught it. It's out. Let's out. let come off Sam's head, head on no, this guy. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you, sir?
1: Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast. I am your host Tim Williams. Stacks and stacks of cricket going on for us at the moment. There's the, the Australia India Test going going on. I'm heading out to that over the weekend, which should be a belter. We had two games of Big Bash on day one of the test, so there's just so so much cricket. I couldn't be happier. Joining me today is last year's Supercoats champion, Tomo Aiken, and also Tomo flying under the radar. He's, he's a pretty humble fella. If I was up top like that, I'd be bragging every week. He's ranked 145th after winning it last year. Tomo, mate, you are soaring. Hey, Timmy. Hey, Fish.
2: Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I suppose when you're a successful one year, you want to try and do your best and be somewhere thereabouts, so not too bad at all. I'm watching the cricket. looks like Smithy's about to get 100, which is always good. And we're going to chat a bit of Supercoach. So even though Brisbane was announced into a bit of a lockdown today, um, it could be far worse.
1: Yeah, that's it, mate, you poor buggers out there in Brisbane who have got a three-day lockdown, it's, it could be far worse. There could be no cricket on, but you've got stacks over the weekend. You've got the test, so that'll get you fellas through. Uh, and the other fella joining us today is Fish, Michael Fisher, also a Brisbane boy. Fish, how are you, mate?
0: Yeah, um, good thanks, mate. And uh, we confirmed with Tomo that he's not going to forget about us when he goes back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. happy uh, to be on with the um, the reigning and um, flying champ.
1: Mate, right. he could be the first bloke to ever go back-to-back in competitions as big as these ones. Uh, and on top of that, just throwing the NBL fantasy title as well. So Tomo, fair dinkum, mate, unreal. So, Tomo, I said you are 145th ranked. Uh, what's been going right and wrong for you? Probably not a lot going wrong at the moment. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I even, I suppose, everyone has their hits and misses. What's been going right or what could I give a tick to recently? I suppose um, Spy wrote a really good piece only a few days ago about holding Darcy short, and I was tempted to trade him, but holding him, and he's delivered with the ball yet again, three for 26 or four last night. Um, and I think he'll deliver with the bat too soon enough, so happy with that. Um, I've got Mitch Marsh in my team. He's been my team for a couple of weeks, and last round was pretty good watching him uh, dispatch it to all parts towards the ends of the innings. And I've still got Rash, and Rashid Khan just does his typical performances and there's always a chance at picking up points. And this round that has just started, I can't believe I did it, but, I traded in, I think, a few of the other fellas connected to the podcast too, traded in Ben Cutting, the Enigma. Uh, I I only won over last night, but he was pretty economical. But that cameo, 31 off 14, so good on you, Benny Cutting. And another one last night with the wet weather around, had Maxwell on my bench, so he's got a low score. Um, I'm looking to play others, so hopefully I can capitalise on a rare uh, score that was low from Maxwell. So they've been all right. Things that bit of having a bit of a cross, I guess. I traded in Big Carlos, ready for the Sixers' double, um, but he hasn't really done much, so he had to be traded out this week. I was really happy to be able to get the funds to trade in Sam's, and with that batting cameo, I was excited to see what he was going to do with the ball. Um, but then with the injury, and he was going to miss one, two, who knows how many games, and I just couldn't hold him. I really wanted to hold him, but I couldn't justify with him missing an unknown amount of games. Uh, last night, had the VC on Hales, so that wasn't great, but he's got another opportunity to bounce back. And one final trade, I was tossing and turning over a bit, Fergo or Kawaja. In the end, I went Fergo, um, should have probably gone Kawaja because he looked pretty sharp last night. Also briefly considered bringing in Lynn, but avoided during to due to the weather. But well done to anyone that brought in Lynn and VC'd him. So few things right, few things wrong. A bit like everyone that plays Super Coach.
1: Yeah, good stuff, mate. It's that last night's round was so uh, just the timing of everything with the Heat playing after the Thunder. Obviously, the two sides being on the double this week made trading so hard. I mean, I think all the serious Super Coaches were watching the radar like an absolute hawk up on the Gold Coast there. Um, and then we saw rain interrupt the game. I was the same as you mate. I, I was had all plans to bring in Lenny uh, and then pulled out because of the rain and, and it looked like it was going to be big uh, really impacted by it. Um, changed a few things up as well, which was just just nuts. Fish mate, how how's your side going for starters? And I suppose how do you handle the chaos of last night?
0: Yeah, definitely uh, chaotic and just trying to work out the different emergencies and everything is uh, really full on at times like that. So it's always good to plan ahead a little bit if you can. Uh, I was another one who was planning to bring in Lynn but didn't. But, you know, it's one of those ones which I think wasn't necessarily the wrong decision. It was just the bad luck of it. Uh, I guess that there was enough reset to justify not bringing him in, in my view. Uh, however, they got underway, and uh, he he looks great at the top of the order at the moment. So that's uh, just super coach, I think. And my side uh, had an absolute shocker last round. I, I think I've already passed my score from last round after about the first game of this one. <laughs> uh, I um, I'm looking forward to, to your story, Tim, because I, I know that's uh, something a lot of super coaches can relate to from over the years. But I, I jumped on board with uh, Hardy from the Scorchers along with you and. Put him in to my side uh, after Maxwell scored uh, – sorry, not Maxwell. Bryant scored about 30 uh, and copped the the one from Hardy. Uh, was really unlucky, I thought, with Sams as captain. He was looking great at the halfway mark, having scored 60 points already and still with four overs to come. But that uh, concussion substitute really hurt. So it was that bad that I could barely um, – Look at the rank when I first opened the app. I, I had to jump straight into the team and look at next week's trades before I could uh, build a build up enough uh, heart to to do it to myself. But things are looking a little bit better this week. Uh, I um, I also got on board with with cutting. Uh, disappointed to see only got the one over. He looked all right with the ball and I'm for five of one. Uh, but hopefully, if they keep that team makeup, maybe you can get an extra over or two next game. Uh, also, pretty happy with bringing in Sanger. Uh, He looks great with the ball still, and with my last trade, I'm going to be able to go Will Sutherland to Andrew Tai and play Tai instead of Maxwell, uh, which will be handy, I think, and and Tai's got a negative 30 break-even or something like that, so can to get on board, Um, and another one who held on to Darcy Short, so happy days there.
1: Yeah, that's right, mate. Um, Some pretty promising signs, as you said, looking all right this round, and the stink rounds, we all have them, particularly in I think SuperCoach Big Bash. In other forms, it can be they're a, li- a little bit more predictable. But you know, if your batsmen don't fire or there's rain affected matches, it can just kill you. Uh, the mighty Kooma Stallions were not so mighty last week. We were a little bit. It's pretty similar to you by the sounds, of it, mate. It was sixteen hundred going into round eight or round seven, should I say? Uh, dropped six hundred spots to twenty two hundred. So it was a pretty awful week. Um, Emphasised by. Yeah, I played Hardy, who was my trade-in all-rounder there. Thought he'd get a decent opportunity. got one point, and I played him over AJ Ty, who got 127, which is just, I mean, it happens in Supercoach, but still pretty brutal to cop. Um, mate, I was the same as you. I Captain Samsey last weekend and looked really good with the bat, got that big strike rate bonus, was scoring well, got the concussion and then didn't bowl. Uh, then was expected to miss these two weeks, so I had to trade him out. That was a bit brutal. But uh, again, it, it, it's funny how it all works out. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to do another double episode. These rounds chop and change so quickly, so we'll do a round 9 and 10. We'll cover those two rounds. Uh, We'll do a big analysis on the Scorchers and Stars who have the double in round 10 and look at all the players we're targeting and avoiding there. We'll do a bit of a chat about when the time is to nuff players in Supercoach BBL, what round we should be aiming to do that. We'll drop our bold predictions and our trade and captaincy plans for the next couple of rounds. Uh, Just a heads up, if you haven't worked it out, we recorded this I'm recording this on Friday, so it's pre the Renegades and Strikers game, so obviously still a little bit to play out like each week, but yeah, just something to, if you get a little bit confused on something we say. Um, fellas, I'm going to start off with a question before we get into that enough topic, because it's something very relevant to me. Because I held off on the Linny trade, I now have a decision to make today. Uh, I've got one trade to work with, and I'm tossing up two options. I quite like Kane Richardson, who I didn't actually have for the Renegades double because he's at a really cheap price, about one thirty k now. I can bring in Richo and play Hardy in my team this week, or I can bring in Livingston and play Ty. I already have three double game week players for that round ten, so help us out, Tomo. Would you go Kane Richardson and Hardy, or Livingston and Ty? Kane
2: Richardson and Hardy. Or Livingston and Ty? I think if I had to choose one, I would go Livingston and Ty. Ty has picked up his form, and not just him, but Perth as a whole squad are looking really, really sharp. And Livingston hasn't quite fired yet, and he is a quality player, so you would think there is an innings coming. I think I would go those two, but... Um, I think Richardson could have a big one because he's a bit fired up uh, last time he played. So he might come out and really want to put in a good performance. But I think personally, I'll go the two Perth players.
1: Nice, mate. Yeah, Livingston does look pretty tempting. Fish, I think, was it you speaking about Livingston in your article last week? What option would you go?
0: Yeah, I'd be the same. And uh, I like the fact that Livingston could still pick up a couple of overs with his leg spin. Uh, I think. It probably It's probably worth looking at uh, where the matches are being played. I think this round off the stadium. But regardless, in the coming rounds, there may be some grounds which are more conducive to giving him a bowl as a spinner rather than some of the other part-time bowlers. And opening the batting there, always a, always a good chance. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely want Andrew Ty on the field. I think he's found his form with the ball and looks to be uh, a little bit quicker too uh, along with mixing up his pace a little bit at times as well.
1: Righto. Cheers, lads. I'll uh, I'll lock that one in for today then and death ride Richo for the ninth week in a row. I've spoken about him all season and haven't got him on my side yet, but um, hasn't worked out too badly. But, yeah, there's a big, big ton not, not far off for Richardson. My only um issue with Richardson at the moment a little bit is that the Renegades are so trash. Um, they're struggling. There's not a lot of depth there. They've brought in a lot of rookies. Um, with Richo as the strike bowler there, I think um, opposing batting lineups are just like, you know what, we'll see off Richo. He might be relatively economical at times going forward, but as the big strike weapon in the bowling attack, they're just thinking, all right, we'll, we'll see him off, get through him, which um, will really limit his wicket-taking potentially, but anyway, we'll, we'll death right him and, and see how it goes. Start with a topic for this week, fellas, and that is when When would you say the time is to start nothing out players to maximize your cash? So what that means to uh, non-regular fantasy sport players, nothing out is basically when you look at players in your team, namely the guys on your bench who might be worth, say, 100 k uh, and you chop them completely for a guy worth $42,000 to get plenty of money in your bank to to get the real guns into your team. Uh, and also, in particularly in SuperCoach Big Bash, it allows you probably more opportunities to do your, your auto emergency loopholes, your vice-captain loopholes and that sort of stuff. You know, uh, in NRL, in like a 25-round season, we might look to do that around the round 18 to 20 mark towards the end when you think you've got enough cash in your side um, to not worry about building more value with players on your bench. I'll uh, we'll start with you, Tomo. Uh, when would you look to start nothing out? And I suppose when did you do it last year, if at all?
2: Yeah, so when to a it's a good question and it's a tactic used in any sort of fantasy sports, as you said. I didn't really Nuff at all last year. My theories revolve around a lot about having depth in my squad and having options. So it's not something I used a lot last mm-hmm. year. I only had one for sort of a VC loophole and that was about it. Um, I can see definite merit in it because some of the players we want to, target with trade-ins are getting pretty pricey. So you want as much cash as you can. At the moment, I have one loop in each line with some cheaper sort of players. I wish I had more all-rounders to do mine with, but unfortunately I don't, and that's the way it goes. I suppose there's a couple of slight risks, but it certainly is a good strategy to use and start to think start to think about um, perhaps going with it. There's the risk with borders and injuries and the whole sort of COVID thing that, you know, players could miss games and we don't see it coming or you've got laid outs like we saw Meredith with the laid out for the Hurricanes yesterday. So I think having some sort of depth is important um, because you just want to have a backup there just in case. And there's also the slight risk this year of that X-Factor sub coming in and a fellow you originally thought wasn't going to play – just might get a Guernsey. But to answer your question, when to start, I think you could start in the next round or two.
1: It's a really good point you make there on on COVID and, well, COVID, on the borders and, you know, there's been a case in Brisbane today. Uh, you know, we know there's a few, a few floating about New South Wales, Victoria. Um, so as opposed to other years where, you know, you're pretty certain that you guys are going to play, um, we've seen already players not be able to, available because of late crossing borders and things like that. So more than ever, you probably need that depth on your bench. And while there's nothing wrong with nothing, you probably don't want to be nothing too many players. You, you want at least one player in each of your you know your batting, bowling, wicket keeper positions. Um, and we, we'll do more analysis on the jewels as it gets later into the season because they, they do become very relevant the next few rounds. I think for me, it's probably after that round 10 double between the start. The Stars and the Scorchers have it. From sort of round 11 onwards, you can look to do it. Um, but we'll, we'll a few main things to look for, if you are nothing, we'll look at the best players for you and help help you out a little bit if we can. Um, but as you said, Tom, you want dual players in there. Dual batters, bowlers are key. So guys that aren't playing, but you can rotate players around in your team. Uh, and then the other one is... You want players that are playing late in the round, so that you can effectively use the auto emergency loophole and vice captaincy loophole. Again, we'll jot out an article on that later on. Uh, what do you reckon, Fish? Do you think it's what's your take on the whole, whole idea of nothing?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good strategy strategy to use towards the end of the season. And in the case of this season, I, I agree with you that after the double game weeks is is the time to go. I think most. coaches who are focused on overall rank should be looking to maximize their trades for the upcoming double game weeks or double game week uh, for the Scorchers and the Stars. And then after that, I think you can look at it. I think the ideal scenario would be to have one backup in your batsman and bowler positions so you can use that emergency loophole and in case of anything happening. uh, And given we have a little bit of time between Now and uh, after the double game weeks are are done, we can sort of see how COVID's progressing over that stage. And uh, I I know there's been situations in other fantasy sports around the world where fixtures get called off and uh, you get no points from those teams. So that's something I guess we've got to be a little bit cautious of. But for now, I'd be looking ahead and uh, starting to plan for nothing out um, in round 11. And I think... uh, Also, Tomo alluded to having players with dual position. Uh, There's real benefit to that in terms of being able to move them around as a backup, but also being able to move them around for emergency loophole purposes. And uh, finally, the point that you mentioned about having teams that play late in the round so you can uh, hold off on your auto emergency decisions until then uh, is a great one as well. And just having a quick look at it the team that plays the last match of round 11 and round 12 is uh, the Sydney Sixers, who have a couple of options there uh, who haven't played at all yet this season. So I'm sure that's something we'll look at uh, as the time comes closer to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good shout on the Sixers there, and particularly with them, uh, you know, there's a lot of international players, Australian international players that are potentially dropping back into that side for the back end of the tournament. So you can hopefully get a pretty safe enough. I know this round, I've actually looped Ben Cutting. It's funny that we all got Cutting in. I think Fisher, you mentioned it in our SC playbook uh, messenger chat. Uh, I thought about bringing in Cutting, then we all jumped on board, got excited about it. So I've looped him. I've got Firefire like a lot of people would do who are looping as my current captain to to inject and use the loophole. He was named as the X-Factor player last night for the Heat. Of course, because of the rain, the toss and the naming of the teams got pushed back after lockout. So we didn't know this was going to happen. So just sat there sweating on that game and hoping that he wasn't going to come into that. So when the, the Heat top automated some early runs, I thought, all right, surely there's no chance that they need to bring in an extra batter and obviously keeper. So got out of it. But, yeah, all things to consider. <clears throat> Guys, uh, we've dropped our subscription price for the back half of the season to $10, uh, $20 down to $10 for all the Big Bash content. Uh, there's also the the NRL content as well, so the full SC Playbook subscription package, which is $40. But, yeah, we're I think we're just about at the halfway point of the season. So if you are looking for a few extra articles, you know, access to the Subscriber Special podcast for the rest of the season, coming into the finals, all that exciting time, that is available. Um, so check it out if you'd like to. If not, happy days, fellas. Let's get stuck into our analysis of the Scorchers and Stars. We'll start with the Scorchers. And, Tom, I'll jump over to you. Uh, You mentioned earlier, I think they've they've won a few on the trot. They're looking really, really good. The side that we knew, we knew what they were capable of. They're such a balanced lineup, lots of serious supercoach weapons. And because of their really poor start to the competition, there's a lot of guys at pretty good value, a lot of low break evens floating about. Do you own any Scorchers yet, and who are the guys that you're eyeing off for that double game week coming up next round?
2: Yeah, sure thing, mate. Um, I currently own Mitch Marsh, and he's my only Scorcher, and I'm really excited about the Scorchers and the possibility and the sort of different trade-ins you can do. I reckon there's lots of good options in terms of just looking at the Scorchers, so we will see some variety in terms of teams and who people trade in. I was having a quick look this morning there's legitimately nine options I would think of bringing in, so there's a lot of different possibilities and combinations. Round nine is at home. The double in round 10, I'm pretty sure, is away, but they're in such good form over the last week or so that playing away doesn't scare me as much, although I'd much rather having them at home. Um, I'll start with the batters. I've already got Marsh, and he's got that bat and bowl potential, And he's just flying at the moment. He's dangerous in the power surge and the later overs with that hitting potential to strike boundaries. He's bowling a bit more than what I anticipated and he's bowling quite well, actually. So he'll continue to get some sort of overs most games, I would think. I'm glad I got onto him a couple of rounds ago at a cheaper price because I can see him just keeping on increasing in price. But I think he's a pretty well, almost a must-have for their double. So he's a batsman interesting. Roy has scored over 20 in each innings. He could make runs and I can't knock him as an option. Inglis, ever since moving down from the opening position, has looked a lot better. Um, I think they moved him down to face a bit more spin and he's looking good and he's someone I'm considering heavily. I can't knock him. Munro, 250s and a 49. One that seems to, looking at the scores, prefer a bit of the home ground, but again, an option. Livingston, probably not looking as good as some of the other batsmen in the Perth side, but still a very viable trade. Um, I know Fish mentioned earlier that he could possibly bowl, but I think he's unlikely to bowl much at all just because of the Perth bowlers and how they're going. Um, Yeah, but those five batters, if, I think are all worth trading in, um, and then I look at the bowlers. Richardson's the biggest price, but he's got three three wicket hauls. He's the most likely to complete all four out of their pace. Ty, ever since I got rid of him, he's starting to turn him around. Bowling second after they post a big score, he's dangerous and he can just pick up wicket after wicket. Um, Farward Ahmed is bowling behind an inform attack, and that really suits him. I reckon Batsman may try to target him and he could take wickets. Last year on his day, he can score big. Um, He hasn't taken a bag yet. A bag might come. The last legitimate option is Berendorf. Only one or zero wickets in the games he's played, but his time in the sun will come. That could be during the double definite option. So I've got nine Perth players that are legitimate options, in my opinion, for bringing in for the double game round.
1: Mate, the options are ridiculous. I knew there was a lot, but when you put it out that way, having nine there, it's make, going to make it hard. But I think it's really exciting that, you know, we're going to these double game where and everyone picks the same players. There's not a lot separating many of them. And the sort of the top-end guys value-wise, like Richardson and Marsh and Roy and these guys, uh, top, top dollar. So we're not going to be able to get all of them. Mate, I'll, I'll flick over to Fish, but while I'm doing it, I'll put you under the pump. Give me your top three batsmen and top three bowlers in order of um, of priority in your opinion, and that's taking value into consideration as well. Have a think right. about that. I'll have a quick chat to Fish and see what he reckons. Fish, um, we got a pretty good rundown of, of the options there. Who are the ones that you're really eyeing off at this stage?
0: Yeah, I reckon uh, if we just run with 11 scorches in our sides, we uh, could go all right. Um, Look out. Yeah. No, I think uh, definitely Mitch Marsh is um, top of the list for me, uh, especially with his bowling. Um, historically, he he hasn't had the greatest record in T Twenty with the ball. He, he tends to go sort of up around nine or somewhere between eight and nine in economy, and uh, doesn't doesn't always bowl. But uh, he, he looks pretty good at the moment. Uh, and same with the bat. I, I think his um, some of his BBL. Stats are are pretty phenomenal. I think he's averaging somewhere around 35 or something like that. So whenever he gets opportunities, he's he's going great. Uh, So, yeah, I um, would struggle to go in without him and I think he'll be a captain option. I really like Colin Munro next on my list, especially considering his value. And uh, he sort of had that thing, I guess, where uh, he he maybe adjusted to Aussie conditions a little bit. Uh, Coming into the season, he was in top form in the Caribbean Premier League, averaging around 35 and strike rate right up over 130 and then uh, had 150 early in the season then a couple of those scores and I think now he's got back-to-back 50s for the Scorchers, so uh, I think he'll be good to go and price going on the way up. Um, I, Even though he's expensive, I, I'll still be looking to get Jai Richardson into my team. Uh, he uh, looks great with the ball. Uh, takes plenty of wickets hasn't really done too much with the bat so far uh, even though we all got a bit excited when he batted six I don't think that'll happen again based on what's uh, what's been happening with their batting order recently but if he does get a chance um, quick fire 20 would be great and uh, yeah Tomo made a good point about Livingston Uh, I think I'll be watching him in the next sort of game or two for the Scorchers to see if by chance he does get any overs if not even at a discount price, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit touch and go with him. I, I don't really like batsmen uh, who, who aren't bowling um, unless they've got some good form uh, behind them or, or a great record behind them. Um,
1: yeah, uh, mate, I have, I have the exact same concern. The issue is, I think I've got about 147k to spend today on that final trade and. Livingston's the guy that I can squeeze in. There's like your Mitch Marshes and, and a couple of others are about at 150 to 170K price back, and I just can't quite get them. So I'm rolling the dice a little bit on him if I do go with him. Um, but there is a worry there, as I said, especially because he's not bowling. Um, and with guys like Hardy in that side and, and plenty of bowling options, whether he gets a chance um, to question mark, mate, on Jai Richardson, he's going to be about two hundred k come into the round. I'm a little bit concerned. He's, he's another guy that I've said for week after week on the podcast. I'm getting him, him in. I'm getting him in. I haven't done it for a few reasons. You know, not being on the double has been one of those reasons. Um, the potentially the ship has sailed. He's going to be about two hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for a guy. He hasn't batted in three games. He's taken 10 wickets in his last four games. So, you know, he's maximising his output really well. Um, When you're trying to squeeze all these really genuine options into your side and then you look at other bowlers like who have played for Australia, guys like Jason Berendorf, AJ Ty, who are like 110, 120K, are they more appealing or are you happy to fork out the extra 80 to 90K on Richardson?
0: Um, I think Andrew Ty could be more appealing. Uh, Berendorf... I'm not too sure about. He's another one I'm going to be watching in the next game or two. Uh, I think he's taken a little while to um, get get back into the, the rhythm of things coming back from injury. Um, the thing with Richardson is, I guess, the reason that he's at 200k is because he's bowling well and he's in a good side. So uh, I think uh, of, of late, teams have been chasing big scores against the the Scorchers. So it's enabled him to... Um, to bowl uh with the pressure on other teams and, and take wickets. So yeah, I it does um it does concern me because if he if he goes pull in a double game week, he's gonna lose a stack of cash as well. Um but he's one I might be prepared to take a risk on.
1: Yeah. Um Tom, I'll shoot back to you quickly, I know because he'll be such a important point of interest over the next two weeks. What are your thoughts on Dry Richardson? Will you be trying to get him at the price and then fire away with your your, your priority picks from the Scorchers?
2: Sure thing, mate. Um, yeah, look, I've got to try as hard as I can to get him in. You don't want to stuff your side up so much that you sacrifice um, too much, but I think you've got to try and get him in. Um, three by three wicket hauls is pretty good. Um, in terms of ranking the bowlers, I agree with Fish. I think you've got to have tie number one. He's hitting a bit more form, and he's that much cheaper. I think I've got to put Richardson as my number two target in terms of bowlers, and then three. You're tossing up between Ahmed and Berendorf. Maybe I'm um, forward Ahmed just because he can take a bag and score big in previous seasons. So he might be a chance to do that. Um, Mitch Marsh is my number one, depending off it's batting or bowling, because just that all round capability. Um, I'm pretty keen on Inglis. Um, he looks pretty sharp and is much preferring his role. So he's a batter I would like. And I think Munro represents value compared to Livingston and Roy, just a bit cheaper and probably just as likely to score some runs. So they would be how I would rank them.
1: Yeah, good stuff there, mate. Um Let's move on to the Melbourne Stars. Uh, again, two, two sides jam-packed with supercoach options. Uh, again, the Stars are probably another side that can be a little bit unpredictable because there's so many stars in the batting order that occasionally options can be a little bit limited. Um, I'll start with you this time, Fish. Who are the guys at the Stars that um, – I mean, we'll start with the two big ones. If you're not an owner – Stoyness and Maxwell, do you just have to find a way to bring them both into your team for non-owners over the next two weeks? Or is there an argument to say that at their big, big prices, Max is well over 200K, um, Stoyness is about to be onwards of about 171, 180 k Do you just have to have them?
0: Yeah, I, I think you do. Um, <laughs> and if you don't, I, I wouldn't watch the Stars matches. Uh, it's, it's really hard to watch when uh, you don't own either of those two and they're going off. But I think... Yeah, Maxi just hitting the ball wherever he wants it seems like, although he did get out cheaply last night. Uh, So you could maybe wait a week on him if you didn't own him and uh, still bowling those few overs. And I think that should continue because I believe Stoinis won't be back bowling for still another few matches. And even though he's not back bowling, Stoinis opening the batting, we know how big he can go. So I think you just have to offset that risk and lock him in.
1: Yeah, yeah, serious. I'm with you, mate. I think you've just got to have the more risk falling behind really quickly and it gives you two obviously excellent captaincy options in those rounds. Mate, who else at the stars do you like? Yep,
0: uh, I like uh, Harris Rolfe. I think we might be able to get him a little bit cheaper than his massive starting price, which was something like 220K or something. Uh, If we we wait a game on him, uh, he was sensational last season and uh, it was pretty slippery slippery last night so I think that might have affected his bowling a little bit but yeah he's a he's a weapon I think so he's a gun that I uh, would like to target Um, although you know we may have to assess him to say a joy Richardson Uh, Nick Larkin looked really good last night and last season was was great as well when he was given the opportunity and I guess that's the thing with him you just want to see him batting up the order, uh, which he did do in one match and he's been named to do uh, most of the time. I think he dropped down the order uh, last night because of the reduced overs. So if he's um, batting somewhere in that top four, which I think he should be, he's 67K pre-price changes. So he looks great to me. Um, If you can wait around on him, ideally you would, uh, but some may not be able to with their, their planning. So... I, it could be a worthwhile punt still. Um, and, uh, yeah, is another guy who you'll probably get what you pay for at around 180K, so I'm going to have to throw him into the mix with the likes of Rolf and Richardson. At the moment, i will probably lean towards the other two, given I think they're just that little bit more explosive uh, and could go could go really large. Um uh, in terms of who I am not keen on, uh, another player that's fallen drastically in price and is batting up the top of the order at the moment is the Spice Man, Andre Fletcher. I, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't see much other than kind of awesome outfield catches uh, where where points are going to come from uh, at the moment with, with him, unfortunately. Although he is a quality player, so you could always just take a take a pun on it, but um, just hasn't been working out for him this tournament, so. I think I'd uh, prefer Larkin over him given his track record in the BBL.
1: Yeah. Down to 68K, the Spice when he's averaging 18 uh, in supercoach, that is, despite batting at the top of the order for the Stars. Mate, um, oh, it's, it's really interesting because they're um, such two really, really good supercoach sides. When well, I talk about that, the Stars and the Scorchers. we talk about Maxis, Zampers, Stoinuses. You go over and you've got Richardson and Mitch Marsh over at the Scorchers. We're not going to be able to have all of them, because they're all priced so heavily. Um, so we're going to have to cut ties somewhere. Uh, mate, like we just did with uh, <clears throat> with Tomo, after Maxi and Stoyness, have a think about it. Give me your top three batter or bowlers, keepers, whatever, buyers at the Stars, and we'll come back to you after I talk to Tomo. Yep. Tomo, what are your thoughts over at the Stars? Um, disregard, Maxi and Stoyness. I think we all know you have to have them in your team. But just before I move on from them to four round nine, Max is going to have a really, really high break-even. He'll drop money, so make Stoyness your priority. He's going to have a really low break-even. He's going up and up in cash, so of the two, get Stoyness in. He has been bowling in the nets as well, so it wouldn't shock me to see see him roll the arm over, but uh, again, don't bank on it. Uh, Tomo, who do you like at the Stars? Yeah, sure. Thing it's hard to
2: try and read the um, tea leaves in terms of storness bowling, isn't he? Isn't it? I mean, Dave Hussey sort of last night indicated that it won't be till later in the month. You'll see him bowl game day, and you would have to think that when he returns to the bowl increase, it would be on a heavily reduced workload. But we know purely as a batsman on the double, he's got to be in your side. Um, I'm a bit different to Fish. There's only three stars that I'd really be interested in. Stornis, Maxwell and Zampa, there's no one else that really excites me. Um, you, could ne- you couldn't pick the Spice Man on current form, but I reckon there will be an innings in this tournament where he goes big, but you just can't have him in your side. Um, I'm going to take a different perspective on Harris-Ralph. Like, he took the world by storm last tournament and was just taking wickets for fun. But I'm going to go a bit out on a limb and say I reckon second-year blues for him, Melbourne worry me from a bowling perspective generally and in terms of wickets and economically. And last night was wet. It was very hard to bowl. But Harris is just not interesting for me at the moment. Larkin, um, Timmy, you had Larkin earlier on the season, didn't you? Um, and he bit a few people. Yes, there is potential. But for me, I'm just looking at the three big dogs from the stars try and bring in my side. Yes, they're pricey, but they're pricey because they're pretty good. The only other one I would consider is Nathan Coutenisle, but I'm not exactly sure when he'd return. They seem to indicate last night that he'd return sometime before finals, but you know, coming off that calf injury, you know, probably want to have a look at him too. So just the three big guns from the stars for me at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's fair. The The one that I oh, shouldn't say I had my eye on, but he really impressed me last night against the Heat, Sam Rainbird opening the bowling. Boy, I thought he looked sharp, bringing the ball back in. Um, he's coming into this round. He had a break-even of negative 22. He only scored, uh, what did he finish with? Three points in that round because he didn't take a wicket last night. Um, so that'll obviously affect his break even. But boy, I thought he looked good with the ball. So um, again, maybe a little bit of a super pod for the double round and a guy that will free up a lot of cash as well. Um, but again, I think probably their cheapy options are more so over at the scorches with guys like Hardy and potentially Ashton Turner. Um, fire back to you, Fish. What have you got with us, mate? Top two are obviously Stoyness and Maxie. Who are your next three priority picks at the Stars?
0: Yeah, I think um, I'll... S- I'll stick with him, although um, arguing with the uh, the former champ could could end in tears uh, for me. <laughs> but uh, look, I'll, I'll back Harris Rolfin as the the number one. Um, he certainly did take the world by storm. Uh, however, he's a he's a genuine wicket taker. Like his strike rate is um, fifteen balls per wicket, uh, as compared to Adam Zampa's sort of eighteen balls per wicket. Um, Zampa being uh, a, a little bit more economical. Uh, so I'll go Rolf, Rolf one, uh, Zampera two. Um, you've talked me into Rainbird from a value perspective. Um, you'd, you'd compare him off against Billy Stanlake, who's had a few price rises of late. So um, you'd probably look at Rainbird as better value. Um, yeah, I like, I like Larkin as the best value batsman. Um, still think Puran's a, a, a decent option for someone who's uh, on the lookout for a wicket-keeper, and other than that, I, I don't really think there's many options at all um, in terms of batting for the Stars, so you'd then probably be looking at Fletcher just for his value. Is Paran, um boys, I'm not sure because I think I heard on the coverage last night that it might have been
2: Peran's last game, but then you hear some different reports. Does anyone know or have any concrete information about his availability? Because I thought I heard on the coverage last night that that was his last dig, but um, has anyone got anything concrete?
1: I'll do a bit of digging as we speak. I I did see uh, before last night that he was keen to stick with the Stars for as long as possible, but there was no confirmation. Um, I'll have a bit of a look at it now and chase it up because he's such an interesting one. He he came in in his first or second game for the Stars, hit 69 of 26 or something obscene, and everyone was just thought, oh, this guy's a must-have. Like, how's the talent on him? Hasn't really got going since. He's been impacted a little bit by the fact they've got like Stoyness and Maxis and these guys scoring runs up the top of the order. Then they'll anchor the innings at, at number, say, three or four with Lark. And so Peran's coming in at about number five. Um, but the thing with him, much like a Chris Lynn or whoever else, when there's a rain affected game last night, he doesn't need long. He only needs five or six overs to do his damage, as we saw earlier on in the tournament. Um, he could be a massive, massive pot. He's still under 5% ownership. Um, but again just that position in the batting order is probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a worry on his concern um, but yeah I'll chase up the availability now and see if we can get a bit more concrete information um, The more I look at this round the more excited I'm getting all these top dollar players there could be a lot of really unique picks and and big name pod picks who can score massively uh, for the double round it's, it's going to be good um, before we move on from the guys are eyeing off fish. Do you have any other trade targets from outside these two sides over the next couple of rounds?
0: There's a couple that I'd consider. uh, And I think the two that have caught my eye the most, um, sadly, given that the opportunity's already gone for this round, but uh, Chris Lynn opening the batting looks really good to me. Um, He gets that opportunity for the first four overs of the power play. Uh, And the other one, just from a... um, a value point of view, is Aaron Finch, who's currently 100K and has a B BE of 100. Um, so there's every chance we could be able to pick him up around 80 or 90K next round, which is uh, exceptional value, albeit that he, his form hasn't been great. There there have been super coach seasons gone past where he's averaged 80 plus, albeit with a, a more favorable scoring system. So I would weigh up uh, someone like a Finch as compared to a, a Larkin with the, the double game week.
1: Yeah, Finchy is so, so cheap. I've still got him in my team at the moment just because I can't bring myself to to drop him from my side at that price. I just think there has to be a big score in him soon enough. Uh, Tomo, anyone that you like in the next couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, sure. Finch is someone, if he gets cheap enough, even though he's not on the double, is certainly worth a look. So he has been a bit unlucky too, hasn't he? He's always been I mean, run out at the non-striker's end, clips one off Conway to get out for a first ball duck, I think. So he could be the sort of one that, I haven't looked at the Renegade schedule, but if they're playing at the right sort of time, you could have him in, on the bench as just a bit of cover and option in case he goes large. Look, to me, it's all scorches and stars. The only other one I'd probably want in um, coming into the end of the season is the fella that I traded out recently, Daniel Sams. You know, I can just see him going monster on those single game weeks. When we've seen some single game weeks where scores have been really, really low, so someone that plays a role like him, which is almost super coach perfect in some regards, I want him in for those single games because if I didn't have him and he went big, I could be in a bit of trouble. So when he comes back, he'll be one that I'm looking to get in as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, mate. He, um Samsey I wanted to hold even when there was word that he was going to miss the first game of the double, um, but hopefully be all right for the second game. I was going to hold him anyway just because he's a genuine season-long keeper. We've seen what he can do with the bat up the order, getting some decent enough opportunities now, batting at that sort of 5-6 mark. Um, so will be really eyeing him off when he got ruled out of the second game as well. He had to go at that price. Um, lads, let's jump into our – we'll recap our bold predictions from back in round seven – uh, and we don't say this often after the bold bold predictions, but there was plenty of success. It started off with Fish, who went Billy Stanley to go 100 plus, which was seriously bold. Uh, that was no good. But he did have Joe Burns to go 80 plus, which he nailed. He got 82. That's a really good call, mate. So good from you. Thank you. Mm, very good. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that he's not on this podcast because the Spy has had a tough run of bold predictions over the past sort of eight to 10 months when we've been recording this podcast. Oh, we've got 12 months now, actually. The Spy, Alex Hales, 100 plus, failed, but he did get 71. So that was in a one-game week. So very respectable guess. Mitch Marsh, 100 plus. He got 129. Marcus Stoinis, 80 plus. He got 132 on his first game back. Tomo, mate, the Spy is fired and he's not even here to, to gloat about it.
2: I know, and I'm sure he will um, be a bit disappointed about that, but we won't let him get a big headache, eh?
1: Mate, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's, it's come we're, we're a long way past that, but I'm sure the Spy will let us know about it next podcast that he's on. I had Darwood Milan to go 100-plus. That was a fail. He got bugger all. Uh, and then I had Jai Richardson to go 100-plus, and he got 118. So success is all around. Fellas, that's if we can back it up with our round nine bowl predictions. We'll start with you, Tomo. What have you got for us?
2: Yeah, last time I was on the pod, I think I predicted 100 for an opener that round. And I think it was only the Gold Coast rain that probably cost Sean Marsh one because he was looking really good there. So I'm going to go back to the well again and I'm going to say next round or between rounds nine and 10, we're going to see 100 for an opener. Um, I reckon Darcy Short over at Optus against Perth I reckon we might see him flick a bit of a switch and come into form with the bat. So I'm going to go Darcy to make a 50 runs as an opener against Perth. Um, I don't really want to say this, but the Sixers play the Thunder and the Sixers have just tapered off a bit, especially in terms of some of their bowling. And I can see Alex Hales going massive against them. So I'm going to back him in for over 100. And not super coach-related, But um, the Renegades, look, we all know that they're struggling. I think they play the Heat soon. I think it might be next round. And I actually reckon the Renegades might beat the Heat. The Heat have gone on a bit of a run, but I still don't trust them. I reckon the Renegades, they brought in some young ones and had a bit of luck. So I'm going to say not Supercoach relevant, but Renegades to upset the Heat. The
1: Renegades to win a game is like, that's bold even for bold predictions. It's a very brave call from you. Uh, if you're a punter, get on the odds there because Tomo's, Tomo's all in on the Renegades. Good stuff though, mate. Fish, what have you got?
0: Oh, well, first off, Tomo, I know you're a Sixers fan, but you live in Brisbane, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> anyway. never, you never lose. You never
2: lose, but, yeah, no, nothing Brisbane related. Thanks, boys. It's called loyalty, Fish. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, I've got a Renegades player to go large. Uh, so um, <laughs> Finch, uh, 120 plus for me. I reckon uh, he'll um, prop up his super coach every big time. So 120 plus super coach points for him. And then another two batsmen I think will uh, register 100 plus points and that's Colin Munro and Nick Larkin.
1: Oh, Very nice, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Funny thing that you, you there, there's no loyalty up there. We see it with the Maroons, but us Blues, where it's it, it's born and bred into us down in New South Wales. So even if we move state, we know we always know where we come from. We st- stick by our side. So maybe we can uh, reflect a bit of that on New Fish. Yeah, yeah. cheers.
0: Yeah, thanks, lads. <laughs> yeah, all good. Uh, I'll back uh, the heat to chase down that total. Uh-huh. Gets his um <laughs> his big score as well. Yeah.
1: Um, the round 9-10 trade plans, sorry, my bold predictions. I'll go, I just thought he looked a class above some of the batsmen last night uh, in obviously a rain-affected match. They knew they had to score some quick runs to get that run rate up the heat, uh, and they did. But Adam Zampa had, what, two for six off two overs or something outrageous. Uh, he's in serious form, looks unreal, 100-plus for Adam Zampa. And then I'm also uh, I'm pretty hesitant on this one. It's more of a a little bit of a fanboy moment. But Nathan Ellis, I've loved what he's producing this tour. He had a really, really classy run out in the first game of this round. Um, I'm going to go Ellis to go 100 plus. I think he's looking really sharp with the ball. A few good contributions in the field as well. So Ellis 100 plus. Tomo, your trade plans for rounds nine and 10, who are the guys that you're looking to to get into your side? Uh, We've spoken about a few of them, but just recap uh, your trade plans for there.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, um, lots of Perth, lots of Perth for me, and the odd star or two. But I think I'm more keen on the Perth players. Look, not that exciting. Going to trade out a lot of Thunder and Heat players. Um, Rashid Khan, whenever he goes, and there's still not you know entire clarity about when he's going. Um, but he'll go as soon as he departs for international cricket. And the other one I'm looking at, I'm not locked in here, but possibly. Philippe for Inglis on the double. So Thunder and Heat players will go um, Rash when he's selected and possibly Philippe for Inglis. Um, It hurts me to say that, but from a super coach perspective, that might be the wisest move.
1: Yeah, sweet, mate. There's um, heaps of really exciting prospects batting-wise at the the Scorcher. So getting them right is going to have a massive, massive impact on the overall race. So for your sake, that high up, I hope you can nail it, mate. Um, Fish, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, I've uh, looked at next this coming round but not the one after. So I'm um, planning on Max Bryant, Ben Cutting and one of Jack Wildermuth or Temvis Sanger out and Marcus Stoinis, Mitch Marsh and Colin Munro in. I think their prices will all be on the rise and want to get on them uh, before they go too high. And then, yeah, the following round I'll be looking to get rid of a few more of those Heat and Thunder players and uh, bring in some of the guys we talked about today.
1: Yep. I'll be uh, getting Stoyness in immediately. Uh, there'll be probably Adam Zampa as well, but I'll be tossing between him and Jai Richardson. But I'm, I am worried about Richardson's price tag. And then there's going to be need need to be some money freed up somewhere. So I'll be looking at Berendorf at just over 100K, who, I, as you said earlier, Fishy, is taking a little bit to get going after that big injury layoff. But I just like the price. We know what he's capable of. So on the double, he could score really well at the price. Um, and pending finances, it could be someone like Rainbird as well, depending on what I need to, to free up. We, we skipped past him when we did the scorches, but we'll just touch on it quickly. Tomo Hardy, he's around about that 80K mark, so he's pretty affordable. He's dual bat bowl, scored terribly last round, but has had some good scores in there. We talk about guys that we're going to need to free up cash for guys like Richardson, Zampers, Maxi, Stoinis. Any interest in Hardy, or were you put off by him last round? Um, no, because
2: we could all have stinkers and we've seen players have low scores and a bounce back. So I wouldn't be put off at him at all. Um, job security is really good. Uh, he's not the worst pick. I just want my targets to be going with people that could score a bit better. Um, but he's not the worst player at all. The Perth batting looks pretty good at the moment, so he's very mm-hmm. unlikely to get any sort of hit. Um, but they seem to give him like to give him a few overs a game, so he's going to get majority of his points from bowling. Um, so he's not the worst. I prefer to target some people that might score a bit better, but if you've got not many options, it's not the worst and he's back bowler flexible. So other options, but if you don't have the cash, then you know, I'm
1: not going to knock it. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. And we talk about it now, but we're going. To, we're seriously going to be need to freeing up to be trying to free up some serious cash to get in these guns. So it might be a case of biting a bullet on some, some of these guys or, you know, potentially in early enough somewhere um, to allow us to get these blokes in. Tomo, who are the captain drawing off for, obviously, round nine mainly, but round 10?
2: Sure thing. So round nine, I'm pretty sure the first game is a Stars versus a Strikers game. And for your VC loophole, you've got so many options. You've got Rash, Maxi, Stornis, Zamper for the first game. So any of those would be pretty reasonable. Um, If they didn't go big, um, then you'd be looking at maybe Mitch Marsh as a captain, maybe Darcy Short. Um, I think Hales could go big against the Sixers. So if you were game enough, maybe Hales as captain in round nine. Moving quickly to round 10, uh, Stars play before the Scorchers, so any of my big three dogs, Maxi, Stoinis or Zampa, and then Perth captain, options of Perth captain. I've got three main ones I'd look at. I'd look at Marsh, Richardson and Ty. Maybe a slight lean towards the Bolas, Ty or Richardson, but, yeah, options are plenty for those bias captain and captain options. Yeah,
1: yeah. Before we move on from that one, Tomo, obviously the big question is going to be Maxi versus Stoinis. Who who do you skip out? Or the Stars play in the first game of round nine and round ten, so it'll be your VC and you'll be using the loophole um, if you choose them. Maxi or Stoinis for you?
2: Um, That's pretty much a 50-50 for me. Uh, Maxwell does have the option of bowling um, more than Stoinis, but it's kind of one of those ones where I'd say – um, to you, Timmy, I'd say which one do you want, and I'll just take the other because I don't think there's a lot of difference.
1: Yeah, fair play. Well, for me, it's I think it's I just think the security of Maxi He's shown his willingness to bowl himself at all different times. He's bowled himself in the power play. Uh, he's bowled himself at the death overs, which hasn't worked out too well for him. Um, but just the extra security of him bowling gives me a lot of encouragement as a skipper ahead of stoyness. Um, unless Stoinis was to start rolling the arm over. But I think, as you said earlier, it looks like that'll be more back end of the tournament. Um, Darcy Short, yeah, looks a really good one for round nine. And then, as you said, there's a few scorches options for round 10. Fish, who are the blokes you're looking at?
0: Yeah, pretty similar. Uh, I think, yeah, Max's ceiling is, is hard to ignore, although um, stuck in my memory is always that time that Stoinis scored a bazillion runs in a double game week. Uh, when he was bowling a couple of seasons ago um so yeah he's very capable but whilst he's not bowling um less of a risk there so yeah i'm leaning towards maxi and uh great to see darcy short bowling a bit more and uh taking a couple of wickets so yeah he he looks a really solid captain option again and um i'd again be looking at vc on a star so probably maxi the next week and um probably at the moment lean towards Jai Richardson from the Scorchers. Mitch Marsh is the other one, but yeah, leaning a little bit towards Richard at the moment.
1: Yeah. Good shout, mate. Um, Very good episode, fellas. Covered plenty of ground. Good analysis on the Stars and Scorchers. We'll have a little bit of a break before we come on to our next podcast, which we'll be covering obviously round 11, which I think all the doubles will be done from there. It'll be heading sort of towards finals time. So, Uh, that's when your pods are going to come in massive with no doubles to prepare for the last three or four regular season rounds, which is uh, I'm really looking forward to that and getting a few really unique teams. Tomo, you've been good, mate. Thank you. No, thank you. And look forward to chatting next time, boys. For sure, mate. Uh, Good luck in lockdown along with Fish. Fish, you've been big as well. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Tomo.
0: Good luck, everyone.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in.